Dragon the new Dragon Tattoo. It it feels a little bit like a film that nobody nobody was asking for. I just, I think part of it is I really like the books, the the original three books. This isn't one of the original three books. It's not by the original author. It just feels a bit like cashing in. Yeah, but which I don't like. So what? Well, the style of writing is. I mean, I haven't read the new book, but. The style of writing is not going to be the same. It's just, I don't know, it's just a bit weird. It means we're getting the Fincher Dragon Tattoo in 4K. So it does. It, oh. it, it, it's giving us that and it's going to look phenomenal. And I think we should double bill it with a with another take at the snowman. Yes. Why? Because because I think stylistically there's definitely a link and it's the the Nordic noir thing, isn't there? Right. And also as well, I, I'm interested to see Claire Foy do that because I think she's a really interesting actress. What's the deal with Claire Foy at the moment as well? That's another little tangent for a second. What? The both both the trailers that she's in at the moment. Yeah. Why why have they made her look like they've made her look? She's quite a pretty lady, and they have made her look. It's, the, it's kind of the bob cut kind of shit, isn't it? Yeah. It's the short and, hair. And the makeup as well. The makeup they've made her look really like it's, haggard. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a bad hair. It's a, it, it, it's a, it's an odd hair choice. Like, like you knowing Catherine Waterston changed her hair and she had that weird short haircut, oh, and weird. you looked at it and went, and went, what, what have you, what have you done? Why, why, why have you made? Why would you? Why would yeah. you? <laughs> Literally, you, you didn't want to go and see um, <laughs> the sequel of Prometheus, whatever it's called, Covenant, um, because of that haircut. You can't say things like that because you make me look like I'm a, a bad person. A bad bitch. Person, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anything else happened in the wonderful world of film um, this week? We've, we've. Oh, oh, I've got something actually. But I'll see if you, you guys got something first. Oh my! No, no. I mean, in, I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, well, the, we've had the uh, sort of. It's not even a trailer, it's just a little bit of footage and the opening photos of uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. In, oh, is this, it's not a trailer, it's not Phillips. a teaser, it's a camera test one. Yeah. Uh, in, the, 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 you know, the, in Todd Phillips' upcoming Joker movie, which yeah. I think is, is, is still untitled, I think. Isn't no. it? Of the Joker. I, I don't, I don't, it's not officially, everyone's just calling it the Joker, but I don't think officially it's got a, it's got a title yet. Right, okay. Um... Which does seem like they've got the Joker or Joker or something just written on a board, and it's like if we can think of anything better, if a line comes up, we'll use it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, need, they need to call it like Tears of a Clown or something like that. Just <laughs> I watched that. That's that's good. That um, yeah, I, I, I'm. We were talking about this last night with Bex, me and you, um, because what I'm seeing a lot of uh, on sort of social media is people saying oh I, you know I'd be I'd be really looking forward to this my only worry is is Todd Phillips directing this movie it, it's it's starting to grate on me it's quite severely buggy, it is bugging the shit out of me yeah, yeah. because as a, as a Todd Phillips apologist <laughs> I, I feel actually I have nothing to apologise for as a Toddologist yes that's Toddologist yeah um <laughs> He's a really, he's a really good filmmaker. It's just he makes films that people either don't watch and don't like, or don't like the fact that they liked. Is what I think. Is that what you think? Yeah, it is. It, it is. Oh, I don't like the Hangover movies. Why? Oh, because they're just they're sexist bullshit. Oh, can you know your point? I haven't watched them. Oh yeah, I bet you haven't. 
So there you go. <laughs> or... I don't know, how the hell was the movie sexist? That was a big thing, isn't it? They were perceived to be really sexist. But how? I'm, I'm a little bit baffled as to that Is it just because yeah. it doesn't pass the fucking Bechdel test? It's yeah. about a group of four guys going on a fucking stag weekend. It's not gonna pass Well, it. this was my point. <laughs> this was my yeah. point that I made, that I said to you, Bex, didn't I? We were coming out of a simple favour. And, and of course, I said to Bex, the thing is, what people don't appreciate is the hangover changed the way that studios view the R-rated movie. So the R-rated, R-rated comedies were, were, were on the way. They'd had a little bit of a, a, a bump, a little bit of a fillip, um, with people like the um, the early noughties, uh, Saturday Night Live cast, so you had you know the movies of like Will Ferrell and people like that. But it, they weren't making huge amounts of money. They were making OK Bank. Anchorman made quite um, a lot of money. It didn't make that much. Didn't make that much. Starskin Hutch made a lot of money, but weirdly, that was a Todd Phillips movie, <laughs> right? Um, and then he made The Hangover. Now, the whole marketing behind, you know, the unofficial marketing behind, for instance, Bridesmaids, was that it was a female Hangover movie. I don't think it was even that unofficial. I think it was on some of the posters. It was on some of the posters, yeah. Uh, but it was a poll quote. Yeah. So, so they, they, that's why it's an unofficial marketing thing. They weren't calling it that because they never caught that. So, but I do think that, that you can trace it back to the the R-rated movie to actually make a lot of money. It, it was kind of given a resurgence by The Hangover and then by the sequels. And because of that, we got to go and watch A Simple Favour. Because... There's a chance that Bridesmaids doesn't get made, that move, you know, and that success doesn't come off that. We don't get the knock on movies and we don't get that movie. So essentially, what I'm saying is Todd Phillips kind of saved cinema. Yeah. Yes. And everyone should just fucking get off the high arse and enjoy your cinema a little bit more. That bit with the giraffe, though. I love the bit with the giraffe. It's one of my favourite moments in the past 10 years worth of cinema. And it has nothing to do with what actually happens. It's the sheer audacity and the sheer balls of a filmmaker who literally is going, I can't believe they just keep giving us money to do this shit. What can we do now? I don't know what we're going to do. Let's take the fucking most majestic fucking creature we can and let's fucking kill it and let's throw its head at the audience at the beginning and dare them not to laugh. Most majestic creature. What? Fucking giraffes. That's what. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's what. Yeah. What is it? Do you remember that time we went to Chester Zoo and they were doing, um, doing moving the giraffes? Yeah. And they put them on a tranquilizer. Literally, apparently, the the, the uh, again tangent here. The easiest way and the, the least dangerous way to um, sedate a giraffe is literally they give it a tranquilizer and then push it over. <laughs> Like a crash mat. Next would be in danger. No, because apparently when they give them what is it, it, it they go rigid. Right. We, we saw it. <laughs> they go rigid, and then the tree just it's a crash mat. And they just push it over. I just feel like there must be a better way. No. No, I'm not. I'm in more amusing way. Is there? So. Yeah, it does sound like the best way. In fact, it was funny. It, 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 it was traumatic to watch for the children, but yeah, <laughs> by the ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, you enjoy watching traumatised children as well, so, you know, it was a win-win for you. It, it did. Well, right, okay, yeah, right. I'm going to go on another tangent now. Right, 
tangenting all over. I'm all over the fucking place. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I'm, yeah, You're crazy. I, I I keep on just flicking the indicator back off and just going continuously around the roundabout. So I'm in work the other day, right? And I'm serving this customer. Oh, I've heard this. Um, have you? I think so. And I'm serving this customer, and he's got his kid with him, right? And his kid is making a little bit of noise. Yeah. Quite a lot of noise, right? Significant amounts of noise. A significant noise. amount of noise, right? Do you know what he says to the kid? What? Be quiet, or I'll send you on holiday with the McCann's. <gasps> oh, shit. Right? <laughs> Which, A, is a little bit... That's it, that shit. Okay. But then, I had to start unpacking it in my head, right? Because the kid's, like, six, and Madeleine McCann went missing 11 years ago. So the kid has no idea what the McCann's are. Oh, so no, nah, man. He tells them that story every fucking that's night it. before bed. So, so that's it. In Either he's doing it. Either he's doing it to impress me, which it doesn't really. I just thought he sounded a bit like a prick, right? It's a good threat, though. Or he's explained the McCann's to this child. And what they did. And what they did. Which well, is. No, hey, well. Uh, well uh, 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 when we say what they did, do we. Do we purely just mean leave the leave the kid alone? Oh yes, yes, of course. We just mean leave their kid there. Uh, the rest is allegedly. Yeah, that's definitely what I meant. Allegedly, yes, yes. Moving swiftly on, trailers, Ian. Very quickly, let's move. <laughs> um, I don't think there's been too much since we last recorded because it was only Thursday we recorded. It's Tuesday now, so yeah. I thought I had one thing. I, I think I've got a couple. Oh, fuck. There's the new Bumblebee trailer. Oh, that was the one. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm actually really excited for Bumblebee. I, I think it could be it, it, it could be what people were hoping they'd get from the the Transformers movies, which I think the first Transformers movie almost delivered on. The first Transformers uh, film is. The most Spielberg influence, Michael Bay coming off the island. Spiel- yeah. He was basically like, Steve, tell me what to do. Make it about a boy in his car. Yeah, all right then. Steve, and then yeah. when it came to part two, Steve, fuck off. And th- yeah. that's when it all went wrong. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely spot on, right? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm making a look at Bumblebee. I'm, 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 I'm look at all the marketing behind it. It, it. it just, that film at Christmas. I'm, I think I feel like I'm going to go, I'm going to cry over a car, what is it, <laughs> and be like, this is brilliant. The car and his person. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I'm going to cry and simultaneously jack off to Mary Poppins Returns, and you're going to do the same for Bumblebee. Uh, I think a little bit, yeah. I don't right. know jack off to Bumblebee. He's a handsome car. Bex, really? Bex, just for balance, can you jack off to Aquaman, please? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. All right, sweet. <laughs> Um, okay, so Bumblebee and, yeah, Galveston was the other one. Galveston, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that, like, fucking Heartburn relief? No, that's (laughs) Gaviscon. Okay, no, sorry, yeah, okay, Galveston. (laughs) Yeah. Right, okay, what's that then? It's the new Melvin Ron movie. Uh, uh, Directed. Ooh, really? Yeah. Uh, Have you seen any of their directed ones? Uh, only in my dreams, because uh, <laughs> the I've I've not seen all of them, uh, but I really liked Adopted. 
uh, and I really liked Breathe, which was her second one. The first and second. I haven't seen Tomorrow or Diving yet. Oh, have I seen Diving? I might have seen Diving. No, I've not. And I haven't seen Tomorrow either, but I've seen the first two she did. Right. Uh, but this is uh, her, I believe, her English language debut. Okay. Uh, L. Fanning and Ben Foster star in what is the most Ben Foster of Ben Foster roles. <laughs> okay, is he a scummy guy who is skeezy and an outsider and you don't know whether he's good or not and he turns out to be not? Well, in the trailer, he is a hitman. Right. Who rescues... From what I gather from this from the trailer, he appears to be a hitman who rescues L. Fanning from a hit that he's doing. Um, and then while on the run, she seems to get her daughter or a sister, it might be, back from somewhere and somebody gets shot and he kind of forms a bond with her but it does yeah he does seem quite scummy and quite it's, it's very it's all it's all the little ben foster bits and then as there's all these pull quotes coming up in the trailer which is fantastic and it was lit i was watching going if there was a possibility that i could watch that tonight and pay i, I gladly would but it, it pulled up and says ben foster gives a career best performance and me and bex looked at the other and just went that's a really high bar, that actually. That's a really high bar. <laughs> for a guy who is, I don't think has actually been nominated for an Academy Award yet. Oh, and maybe once for Messengers, maybe. Um, he's, yeah, he's usually pretty, pretty fucking good. Absolutely he is. Yeah, no, he's not been nominated. He's never been nominated for an Academy Award. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought he had for Messenger, um, and he uh, should have been. Harrelson got a nomination for that, I think. I think you're, I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah. Harrelson got a nominated one, and he got nominated for screenplay as well. Mm, okay. Uh, very good that movie. The Messenger, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's a good filmmaker, actually. Uh, sorry, um, but yeah, that's that's all I've seen sort of trailers wise. It's not been uh, like I say we only recorded four days ago, so there's not actually been been that much sort of come out. Mm. Uh, da, 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 da. Right, well, we'll we'll move on to our our feature review. Want to trade confessions? No, no, no. <laughs> come on, what's the wildest thing you've ever done? Oh, I no, I don't know. I shouldn't. You go first. Okay. um... A few months ago, Sean and I had his TA over for um, dinner and drinks and a threesome. Was Sean jealous of him? Did I say it was a him? It's very cool, sis. Very cool. Okay? Yeah. I don't mean to freak you out. Hello? I'm not freaked out, baby. You're freaked out. Okay. Because I'm not freaked out. I'm cool. I'm lazy, fair. A Simple Favor, the new Paul Feig movie, uh, stars... Uh, Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, uh, Henry Golding, who I think has become a, 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 an Ian favourite. Would that be all right? Oh, I fucked the shit out of that, man. Um, Rupert Friend, uh, and a, a few other people who you go, oh, it's that guy from there. Um, so, story. 
Uh, Anna Kendrick plays Stephanie Smothers. Uh, she is a widow who runs a vlog which gives recipes, but also hints and tips on sort of general life hacks. Should we call it life hacks? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there. Uh, she's in typical Anna Kendrick style. She's one of those very energetic people who is just a generally seems like a nice, bubbly person. Um, God, can you imagine having to be around her, though? What? I, I imagine her to be exhausting. I, I, I imagine her to be exhausting as well, yeah. Uh, her son uh, forms a friendship with the son of Blake Lively's character, Emily Nelson, who you would say is the polar opposite of uh, Anna Kendrick's in the sense that she's very aloof, but also a little bit more... How would you describe her? She's fucking cool, isn't she? She's, she's, she's cool in a way that is actually probably quite dangerous. Um... <laughs> Uh, and then we'll, we'll get more into into plot as as we go, wherever we are, all spoilers all of the time. Um, Ian, oh, well, well, I will, will say is she becomes friends with her, and then all of a sudden, Emily goes missing, and Anna Kendrick's character decides to sign to find out what's what's going to happen. She plays detective. She plays detective. Yes, Ian. Uh, what do you think of a simple favor? So much fun, so much fun. Um... It's just Paul Feig, like, just going, right, fucking fanboys and shit, fuck you. I'm just going to make a film that has got loads of shit that I like in it, and I'm going to make it appealing and both classy and absolute fucking trash all at the same time. (laughs) And fuck you haters and if you're into my vibe I've got a treat for you um loved it fucking loved it just oh the thing is there's been there's been some kind of like slightly sniffy reviews about the film about it not really knowing what it is and it's like no the film knows exactly what it is it's just the marketing tries to hide that and, you know, it, it, in the end of the day, if you marketed this film how it is, you, you couldn't you couldn't capture that in a trailer. So they've, they've gone in a particular way with the trailer and good, fair play, it gets people in. And if you're not, if you don't realise that this film is a comedy in the first 15, with dark underpinnings, don't get me wrong, but a comedy in the first 15, 20 minutes, then, yeah, you're going to have a bad time, but you're also a fucking idiot. Um, just the soundtrack is amazing. Blake Lively is fucking Oscar worthy in supporting actress, quite frankly. Um, Anna Kendrick's really good. Don't get me wrong. Henry Golding is highly fuckable. Um, it just, it's absolutely everything I want in a film that I go to see on a Saturday night. I just wish I was drunk. Like <laughs> watching this with a few beers inside me, my this fucker is going to get some fucking heavy repeat viewing. And just by the time fucking Andrew Rannells fucking knocks her over in the electric car and then literally talks about how the electric car has essentially saved the day. I just it's fucking like clapping and walking out and standing up and walking out the cinema basically 
it, it does have um, a, a few kind of Ian tick boxes. Electric cars saving the day. Um, <laughs> and there's a point in it, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you this now and see if you know. There's a point in it where I turned around to Becky and went, just for that, uh, it'll get half a star from Ian just for that joke. Oh, fuck, <laughs> what was it? Maybe oh, not, not even a joke, a mention. Oh, we, shit. We, oh, fuck, I know what you're talking about as well. Fuck. No, go on. Where she calls him a budget Tom Ford. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I laughed, and then Liv goes back and went... And went that's got an extra. That that's got half a star straight away. For no, me yeah, because that, no. that that's the thing. That guy, like you look at him and it's just like, yeah, he's kind of like trying to be Tom Ford, but he's just a bit greasy. Yeah, and, he is. And you know, uh, yeah, no, one hundred percent. Yes, it would. Get, yes, half mark for that for sure. I fucking. I just hope you guys had a good time with it. Well, I've got a Bex next on this one. Uh, Becky, you you have a thing, let's be honest, don't you, for Blake Lively? No, I like it. Not, not like it, what is it? But you, you, have, you have a very strong appreciation of Blake Lively. I just, I find her absolutely breathtaking to look at. I mean, I know there's more to the woman than, than her looks, but she is just objectively stunning to look at. And when she's being all fucking cool like she is as Emily in this, it's like... Yeah, I'm sold instantly. I don't care what else she fucking does. While she's on the screen, that's it. I'm one over. I'm, um, it's uh, it, it is it is such a fun movie. I think the the ending. It's kind of the go oh, shit. We've set up this really really clever story with all these twists and turns, and we don't have a terribly clever ending. Fuck. Well, let's just make it a fun ending. Instead. It just plays into it, doesn't it? It completely yeah. steers into it. Yeah. 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 So literally steers into it. <laughs> literally steers into oh, it. Oh, that's yeah. true. Um. So yeah, it, it, the the ending feels a bit simple given how complex the rest of the story is. Mm. And I have slight issues with Anna Kendrick, but then I always have slight issues with Anna yeah, Kendrick, and a lot of that is because I feel like if I knew her in real life, I would avoid her like the plague. Um. But yeah, the it's it's just it's so much fucking fun, and you know it it's not it's not intelligent and twisty enough to the point where you feel alienated from it, but it keeps you gripped and you're like, oh, they're fucking twins, oh, there's this and there's that, and blah blah. And it's like, triplets. Charity died; she was still born. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 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 intelligent enough to keep you interested, not intelligent to the point where it's looking down on you. Do you know what I think that is, though? What? I think that is the fact that Paul Feig is a smart enough filmmaker mm. that he that he he can sit there and go, yeah, do you know what? I, I am probably smarter than 90% of the people that are going to watch this, but I don't have to prove that with this film. I've literally made the film that they've come to see. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a really cool... He's a relatable. What is it? He wants he wants people to enjoy his movies rather than people to be hoodwinked by his movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's there's elements of it obviously that are very noiry. There's there's elements of it that feel like parody to an extent, like the the dad mom 
he's just clearly in there to be a bit of a kind of joke character and it it just it's just a really good time What? Nothing. What? No. Mm. Oh. Um, I, Don't shit on it now. I'm not going to shit on it. I'm not going to shit on it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a really, it's a really good time. I, it's a film that I would, I'd like to sit down and watch it. It's not going to happen, this, but it'd be <laughs> nice um, to sit down and watch it with Paul Feig and just ask him shitloads of questions about it. Yeah. Because I, I, I have a feeling that everything in it has a point. That everything in it w- was done for a reason. Why did you choose that recipe there for her to do the vlog? Oh, it's because... And it might be really mundane, what is it? But I get the feeling him explaining it to you would be really quite quite interesting. <laughs> and it's like, you, you sit here and there, it, it's Paul Feig has just put a load of things that he likes on screen. And I'm fine with that. Because it looks... It's a fun... Do you reckon he shows her shoes and dress at the end? Yeah. It's fun, it's breezy, uh, but it's also got a story that, that, that grips you enough. Uh, it, it's nasty without ever being... Nasty, nasty. It's, it's, <laughs> without ever being cruel. Yeah, yeah. without being cruel, mm. exactly. Um, it's, it's got two great central performances um, from the, the two female leads. Uh the central male performance is he, he's, he's basically an idiot, but without being a bumbling buffoon idiot. I, I it, fuck it's, just, it's just the way he is led by his dick throughout the entire <laughs> thing is incredible. <laughs> that's it. He, he is just pussy drunk. That is all of it. it <laughs> and, and, and you look at it and you go, fair enough. Do you know what? Yeah. <laughs> and so there's that. It's... It, it's very playful. I, the, the, I have minor issues with it, um, but the minor issues that I have are just such small little gripes. I don't. I, I'm not a fan of the ending. No, I don't like it. Um, what? Well, even when she's fucking trying to get away by just like crawling on the floor with a fucking. I, I, broken... <laughs> Ian, he, he was even questioning the police's fucking ethics at picking her up off the floor yeah. when she'd just been hit by a well, car. They wouldn't do that. She'd need to be on a stretcher. They wouldn't do that. She might have a head injury. They wouldn't do that. Nah, she'd just been hit by know. a car. They wouldn't literally just pick her up and put her in the water, is it? They'd have to make sure she's, she's okay first. That is not the point, though, is oh, it? Mark, <laughs> you're a delight. He's a miserable fucker, isn't he? <laughs> um, I'll be honest, I, I, I did turn around to Bex after he came out and went... That was great. I really enjoyed that two-hour Aviator gin commercial we just watched. I, th- that was that was some of, that was some heavy product placement. Did you notice it was Aviator gin? Ian? No, I didn't. But now that I... you say that, yeah, all right. It, but again, but I, I, I kind of like the fact that that literally uh, that that I think that's almost a joke within the movie. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is a little bit of a... a, not a, a wink. Yeah. Ryan you know, Reynolds should have played a bartender serving that gin. That would have been good. Yeah, it would have been. Um, you know, it, it's... It's a delightful film to watch. It's a lot of fun. And I could have... The, the thing is, I, I thought, for me, it started to run out of steam a little bit. Yeah. However, what's really weird about that is... Although I do think it ran out of steam a little bit. I could have watched it for another 10, 15 minutes quite easily. 
Because it, it, it was a, a fun place to be. I would rather have watched the 10, 15 minutes of it and then have a slightly better thought out ending. Yeah, but then I, 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 I almost wanted Blake Lively to win. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because... I kind of wanted Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick to fuck him over and fuck off with that $4 million. Which, well, yeah, I, I kind of wanted that. But then when you look back at it and you go, but do you know what? He's not actually that bad a dude. And she is a little bit of a twat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, because that, that's the thing. To be fair, the fucking soil is barely over the grave before he's shagging Anna Kendrick. But... He did actually think she was dead. Yeah. And, you know, he obviously likes hot women. He's a bit of a skis. Yeah. But... I I, I did like the... Uh, it's okay, it's okay. I've heard that 90% of husbands end up sleeping with the best friend uh, just up if you're anywhere. And he goes, really? He goes, no, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And the thing is, I think I'm pretty sure this is the first thing I've noticed we've seen Henry Golding in. And so he's either the thing is, he's either one of those guys where he is generic um, male skin job number four, and, and he just he is that a little bit kind of like daft and that kind of deadpan and that dopey, or. He's a really, he's actually a really good comedic actor. No, motherfucker's charming. I'll talk about uh, Crazy Rich Asians. He is quite charming. Yeah. And, and apparently he's really good in Crazy Rich Asians as well. Mm. I honestly, do you know what? I don't know why, but I thought you were about to say apparently he's really good in bed as well. Well, I don't know why you were, I don't know why you would be going in that direction. With oh, that, he you obviously is, is though. He obviously is, yeah. <laughs> he obviously is, otherwise she wouldn't keep going back for more, would what she? Is it? You know so, there's, yeah, there's that. It, it's. It, I, I, it, it won't happen, but I could. It wouldn't be undeserved for uh, Blake Lively to, to get a, 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 an Oscar nom. She's really good at them, I think. What I will say is, it, it's weird. Blake Lively's been kind of acting for years. You know, and she was very big in Gossip Girl, but it was TV acting and film acting. She's never quite broken out in it as a film actress. Mm. And you get the feeling like, weirdly, this is a bit of a breakout role for her. It's a role where people can go, oh, hang on a minute. So she's just not just staggeringly pretty, she's actually quite charming and has got chops and she's charming in everything though. Like even if you're about to Gossip Girl, which is which is a TV show about the most vacuous, horrible human beings that I... you could cover, oh. she's really charming in it. I tried watching Gossip Girl with you though. Yeah, no, but you you wouldn't be able to get through it for all the other characters. It was it was painful. Yeah. Was yeah. Horrible. But she's very charming in it. She's very magnetic in it. As, as you that, get that, further that, and further that, through, that, that, that's, that's fine. But, but what I'm saying is, I think that quality has always been there. I, I don't know. Oddly, with her, I get the feeling that she does exactly the amount of work she wants to do. Can, I don't think she's like. Can I point out that people said that Chad Michael Murray was good in that whatever one voice hill or whatever it was he did, and that's Chad Michael fucking Murray. Yeah, but yes, but the evidence has borne out that she probably was good in it because she's been good in other stuff. She's very good in The Shallows. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. I, 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 I like this thing that I don't... No, I, but you're arguing with me. No, I'm not arguing. I'm saying that she's never quite had a breakout. So I might roll The Shallows should have been it, but it's still not elevated it 
to that. Whereas mm. now I think hopefully we'll kick on and we'll start seeing a lot more of Blake Lyon. But then she's made some terrible choices in film mm. over the past few years. Oh my God, Susan had the travelling pants. Susan had travelling pants did shit loads of money in her. Yeah. That was like pre... I think she's had a nose drop, hasn't she? Hasn't she? I think that was pre-nose drop. Okay. Mm. She looks completely, completely different, in it? Chetsy, that was pre-nose drop. It's a bitchy <laughs> comment, that is, isn't it? Um, no, no, I'm not saying she looks bad in it. She just looks completely different to how she looks now. She's still a bitchy comment. Oh, whatever. Um, but yeah, Anna Kendrick's, uh, you know, adorable in it, in an Anna Kendrick way. She's, she's playing Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she's yeah. not stretching she, she ever does she's not a very good actress I, I disagree with that she's very good at playing herself in different scenarios she's not a very good actress that's they're different things she is just Anna Kendrick she's a very good presence though she's, she's, yeah she's she's fun to have on a film she's yeah. fun to watch yeah but yeah that's, that's uh, still a different thing so, did you, any 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 gripes or anything here or was it just thumbs up all the way oh mate no I mean I, I get what you I, like I think it is maybe five or ten minutes too long, um, but for me, that's kind of like before the final showdown, um, like the whole kind of her going to the family home and all that kind of stuff. It's like, OK, I see why we're doing this, but it's a bit much. And the, the explanation, I think, maybe takes a little bit too long, um, yeah. like the flashback to her meeting her sister and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I you know, I'm. I'm not going to poo-poo it. It's it's a very, very, very entertaining time. Like, highly entertaining. Do you know what I fully expected to happen, actually, which didn't? What? You know when she's saying, oh, you and Faith, blah, 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 Faith was the bad one, and she did all this stuff and got you into trouble, and blah, yeah. blah, 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 and then you separate. And I fully expected to go, no, that's not what happened at all. I am Faith. I fully expected her to be the bad twin. Yeah, like, like that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, with, with Bart in the, in the loft. Yeah. Yeah. Hugo. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I did expect that and it didn't happen, which I was a bit, little bit disappointed about. Yeah, that's the thing. I think there, was, there was a lot of ways it could have gone uh, and it went, not the worst way, but it, it was, yeah, it, it, like you say, it, it's, it's a really entertaining watch and I think there's, there's a decent amount of re rewatching it and it's, you see, it was the way it was marketed was as if it wasn't as if it wasn't a comedy, as if it was Paul Feig doing a a, a thriller. Mm. Um, and and I, I I said to Bex before we went in, you know, my worry is that what we're actually going to get, what is actually what we've actually been shown is we're getting this um, kind of you know, French New Wave inspired but nineties fucking thriller. Mm. That I, I I that I fucking love those kind of films. Yeah. That what we're getting what we're getting is that and what we'll actually get is some zany fucking chick flip. It, it, comedy. It, it, it's a comedy. I, I I despise the phrase chick flip by the way. I know you don't. Um and but and, and the thing is But you will be disappointed if that was just that what? type of film. Yeah. But like you said within five minutes you go Oh, okay. This is a comedy, a dark comedy. Yeah, I'm fine with that. If she's gonna keep on fucking just splitting out f bombs to her kid and shit like that, <laughs> I am a on board with this. Uh, and the fact that she kept on calling her a brother fucker. 
Yeah, I enjoyed that. The fact that when she initially does it, because that, that story is true. All hers are lies. That story is true. And the fact that she just keeps on calling her a brother fucker is great. It is good. It is. There was one bit, I can't remember what it was, so it's largely irrelevant what I'm about to say, but there was one bit that it gave me real shades of Heather. Heather's. I can't remember what bit it is, but there's a bit that it's like, just like the bitchy girls stood being bitchy together. I, I definitely think there's a there's an element of, of that kind of aesthetic to it, certainly, mm. yeah. Um, so I, I'm guessing that all three of us are going to be definitely not shit on this movie. Are we pretty much done on the symbol forever? Yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we're, we're all three of us are, are definitely not shit. Let's have a check to see what our audience vote was. Uh, a simple favour. Oh, it's quite interesting, this. Uh, definitely not shit. 70%. Nice. And touching cloth, thirty percent. Cool, good I'm, stuff. I'm um, what I will say off the back of that is, I, I do think you'd struggle to not get some out of it mm. at all. Anybody, I do think that it's it's true to not enjoy it on some level. Yeah, there's yeah. enough there's enough there if you're going into it for like a noiry thriller to go. All right, but it's not quite fully noiry thrillery bit, but it is quite. It's a pleasant thing to be around. Mm. There's no, like you said, there's no. Um, it, it's it, it's nasty without ever being mean. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I I had a pretty good time. Good. Cool. Uh, Ian, um, what have you been watching over the past sort of ten days? Then because we didn't do a, <laughs> we didn't do a, what we've been watching did we last week. We did not. This is the music editor at Rolling Stone magazine. This is William Miller. Yes, it is. I think he should be writing for us. From Cameron Crowe, writer-director of Jerry Maguire. If you're going to be a true journalist, you cannot make friends with the rock stars. Just make us look cool. God, it's going to get ugly, man. They're going to buy you drinks. Don't take drugs! They're going to fly you places for free. It's Bowie! You're going to meet girls. We are not groupies. We don't have intercourse with these guys. Just blowjobs and that's it. Amen. On the road with the band. Your mom called. Rock stars have kidnapped my son. Spirits run high. There's acid in the beer that's in the red cups. How do you know when it's kicked in? I am a golden god. Wild. That's the flower, the kid. We need this story in four days. Your time has come. And there's more to write home about. Can I speak with William, please? Is this Marianne with the pot? Then the music. What do you love about music to begin with? Everything. It's so easy to slip. It's so easy. We're gonna die. Something should happen. Maybe I never said this enough. I love all of you. Don't you have any regular friends? Famous people are just more interesting. Uh, 
Okay, so, uh, yeah, no, it has been a while, hasn't it? So, um, I've got a fair few things. Start off with the latest thing I saw. So, um, just to say, it'll be up by the time this is uh, up, but it's not up yet. Uh, Brad and I did a kind of a random LFF preview uh, show. It's about 40, 45 minutes or so, just kind of talking about um, London Film Festival stuff. Um, even though uh, Brad spends a good 10, 15 minutes talking about stuff that's not playing there, which uh, <laughs> is is none more Brad. Um, but anyway, uh, I did manage to get him back on course. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, so um, I, there's an online screener library of films. You don't get to see the big hitters on there, but there, there's some interesting stuff. So last night, I watched a film called, God knows how you pronounce this, but I'm going to go with Itangs Noirs, which is, yeah. uh, Mark helpfully found out, actually, is a train station in uh, uh, Brussels. I found that out. Oh, sorry. My apologies, Mark. Did not say that. Lazy Mark. Taking credit for my work. Been it for years. <laughs> nice. Um, so, the film starts, and it's a guy pressing on a buzzer outside an apartment building, wanting to try and deliver, like, basically, this package has been sent to uh, his building as, like, his apartment's like 15D building 2, but it's been delivered to, but yeah, it should be delivered to, like, 15D building 1 or something. And he can't get hold of the person. So he buzzes their next-door neighbour and asks when's the person going to be back. I, I don't know. She'll be back at some point. It goes on from there. It's a 71 minute long film about a guy trying to give a package to someone. I think we, when we were in the um, nowhere that serves alcohol after we'd been to the cinema yesterday, yeah. um, you described this as the most Ian film that has ever been made. <laughs> so for those who don't know, I once had a rather epic four, five-day-long saga of trying to get a Blu-ray player delivered to my building. And it turned out... Sorry? Yeah. And it turned out that the driver every day was buzzing the wrong fucking building. And, like, literally, I was fucking waiting outside. I saw a van, and I saw a guy with a Blu-ray player-looking box walk up to this other building. And I just ran over, and I was like, what address is that for? And he said, it was like, that's mine. I've been waiting for days. I have been cursing out your customer services department. And he's like, yeah, I've been trying this building for the last few days. And it was just like, where does it say that uh, like flat 95 is there on that buzzer? And he's like, well, it doesn't. I was like, I know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, because the thing is, it was like, and bless the customer services people. Because I was like, you are bullshitting me. They are not trying. I have literally been waiting in when they say they've been trying. There's no one there. And, like, that's basically why. So, as Mark said, it's the most Ian film ever made. So, 
the thing is though, it's this film about and the the lead guy is just this like socially awkward guy who it becomes a bit of an obsession for him. And it's like there's this neighbour who like says, Look, just leave it with me. He doesn't quite trust the neighbour, but he doesn't really know why. And he go like he's told where the woman works and then he's like following like uh, women out of the shop because he thinks they might they might be the woman and then he's having anxiety dreams about that and it's just okay yeah yeah um and like because he knows how it looks and it's just this weird thing about i, I think it, it you know it, i think it's trying to be about like how in modern life, we're kind of like all all more physically connected than ever, but actually, like having a conversation with people seems to be getting more and more difficult because everybody seems more insular and in, you know into their own world. It doesn't bang you over the head with that, but it's there. But mm. on on its surface level, it's just this bizarrely fucking gripping like drama about this guy trying to get a package to this person. <laughs> and, like, genuinely, I was only planning on watching, like, the first half hour last night. I thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the rest tomorrow. And I watched the entire thing, just, like, banged through it. And like I say, it's only 71 minutes long. And, yeah, I... If, if, if the directors... Because it's these two guys. If, if they got... Well, I say two guys. It, may, it, may, it might might be a woman or women, so I, I shouldn't. I, I really shouldn't say that. Um, their names. Uh, oh well, Peter Dommulin and Timur de Kaiser. They, they, it sounds like male names, but that, 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 I, I think you're on safe ground there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and th- there's a couple of things that it, it does through the course of it that do feel a little bit like, oh, just stop trolling the audience here. Um, but yeah, it was pretty fucking gripping. And when it ended, I was like, do you know what? Fair play. You made something that sounds like the most uncinematic thing in the world actually quite worth watching for 71 minutes. If it was 75 minutes, it could, you know, you'd start getting into problems, quite frankly. But at 71 minutes, it, it stays the course. So Atang's Noirs, looking at it as well, both its screenings at LFF are already sold out. Um, so yeah it seems to have it seems to have kind of like captured people because it's not like everything at LFF is sold out um, but yeah DPD day out sorry DPD day out yeah yeah no quite um, very good um, but yeah so that, 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 there we go uh, yeah good time um, I'll do I'll do I'll do a couple more. I'll throw it to you guys and I'll kind of do, do a couple more after that if that's cool. Yeah, go on. All right, nice one. So, uh, also watched uh, Tully, which is, I was going to say Jason Reitman's latest, but he's got The Front Runner, uh, the Hugh Jackman film. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, you know, two out um, around this year, basically. It's pretty impressive. So, it's another collaboration between Reitman and Diablo Cody. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Charlize Theron plays a uh, mother of two who's heavily pregnant with a third. She has the third and finding it all a bit too much to take. 
her brother, played by Mark Duplass, um, uh, basically says, look, for my baby present, I want to hire you a night nanny. So basically takes care of the kid at night so you can get a decent night's sleep. Um, and she's not into the idea at first, but everything gets on top of her and she's like, fuck it, all right then. And Mackenzie Davis plays Tully, the night nanny. And uh, they kind of form a, a, a bit of a bond and um, Tully's this like kind of like free spirit. Man, it, it, it's Manic manic Pixie Dream Nanny, basically. Yeah. Uh, um, and... Uh, Charlize Theron, kind of like her relationship with her husband, played by Ron Livingston, it's kind of going through some tough shit. He basically just, like, gets home from work, puts on his headphones and plays Xbox, and she's kind of dealing with it all. Um, Films had a bit of a mixed reaction, and I can see why, but Charlize Theron is very, very, very good. And obviously I'm not a mother, but being a dad and seeing a mother, you know, go through low, low times at times with a kid. Um, there was shit in it that felt very, very honest. Um, the, the film has a turn in the last 10, 15 minutes, which may well color your view of the entire film positively or negatively. And the thing is, I didn't mind it, but I could see why someone would just go, no, no, fucking not having that. No. Um, so there's that, but I, I, it's not wholly successful. But considering Reitman's been had had some pretty fucking bumpy work the last few years. Well, that's um, it. He was he was literally like severely like hot shit with Thank You for Smoking Juno, and then Up in the Air, mm. and then Young Adult Labor Day, and Men, Women, and Children, kind of, and even Tully to an extent, kind of just came and went. Yeah, I mean, Tully definitely came and went. Apparently, the front runner is just fine as well. So, it, it, you know, yeah. The, the front runner does, does look like it will be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's um, it, it's good. Charlize Theron is very, very good. Um, Mackenzie Davis is as well. Um, you know, nobody puts in a bad shift. Um, and it's funny as well. It, 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 is a, it is definitely a comedy drama. Um, maybe more towards the drama than the comedy, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, I, I I recommend it actually. Maybe maybe it's like the iTunes one ninety nine rent of the week, or just a solid yeah. Netflixer. Um, okay, yeah, so that's Tully. Um, I'll I'll do one more for now. So um, yeah, I don't know why the fuck I watched this. So on Now TV on the Sky Movies thing, the Little Hours, um. So this is um, Aubrey Plaza, Alison Brie, and Kate Micucci, who played Gooch in Scrubs, and kind of she pops up every now and then. Uh, they're nuns in Spain, <laughs> I think it is. John C. Riley is a, pre- a priest, and Molly Shannon is the mother superior. Dave Franco is a mute gardener who the nuns all go a bit crazy for. It's just this fucking improv. Let's try and make each other laugh on set, and then none of that will translate on screen. Kind of uh, stuff. What, what was? Yeah, I mean, like I didn't hate it, but I would. But everybody who's everybody who's in it's having a better time than you are watching it. Yeah, it, it, it basically it's no surprise you've never heard of this film, and it only came out last year, I think. 
Mm. Is it from the same guy who did um, Life After Beth? Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, all right, fine. I Based on based on this, I have absolutely... I'm not going to avoid any of his films, but I've got absolutely no want to ever watch any of them. Life After Beth's fun, but it is it, benefited by the fact that it's, it's under 90 minutes long. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it's got Dave DeHaan in it as well. No, oh. Dave... He's, he's yeah. always a good time. Um, right, I have got, like, five or six more, so I'll hand it to you guys for yeah. now. <laughs> I think we've got four or five, maybe, so we'll... we'll uh, through, yeah, go, you, you go first. You can, you can go first. You. No, you go first. You go first. You go first. No, you go first. One of you fucking go first. <laughs> well, you can do cuffs, because... All right, I'll do cuffs. Yeah, um, yeah, watch uh, rewatch Cuffs. Um, have you ever seen, have you seen Cuffs? Haven't you? Ian? Um, no. You've never seen Cuffs. I, Chris, Chris, it's Christian Slater, isn't it? It is indeed Christian Slater. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I, I'm very lacking on my Slater. Right. Well, what I will say is, uh, so Cuffs. Um, do you know anything about it? Should I, should I give you a brief little synopsis about what it's about? Uh, d- pretend I. Yeah, like, just, yeah, no, just go. It's a 1992 <laughs> era Christian Slater. So it's post Heathers and just before True Romance. Um, and he plays a 21-year-old uh, guy called George Cuffs. Uh, in the world that exists in, in the movie Cuffs. Um, <laughs> in the world that exists in the movie Cuffs. Yeah. Interesting. Um, in San Francisco, uh, the... San Francisco essentially has been like divided up into districts, um, and you've got the police, but then you've also got these special. I believe they're called the Five O. Anyway, you've also got these um, what they call uh, patrol specials, and patrol specials essentially like help police these little districts for the police, uh, and they get paid by business owners and things like that. In part of this district, and they buy the rights. And they to be, buy the yeah. rights to the, those districts. Right. George Cuffs, uh, Trisha Slater's brother, owns one of these districts, and then is um, Cuffs basically goes to him to um, ask if he can borrow money, and he's told, "Right, no, but I will give you a, I will give you a job." Um. Instead, and you can work through and you can earn a bit of money. And once you've earned this money, you can go to Brazil and you can get this. You can go buy this silver man that you want to buy in Brazil. Um, so it, it kind of is in between about to say yes and about to say no when his brother is killed by one of the local thuggery men, you'd say, wouldn't you? Baddies. Baddies, yeah. A, yeah. Um, and then he essentially he is given the, the district. Um, the special patrol thing there. Wait, he inherits it? He inherits it, yeah. He inherits it and decides that he's going to keep it on rather than selling it on. Uh, and it turns out that he's actually quite good at, at what he's doing, but he's just he's just trying to find the murderer of his brother. Um, but there's a lot of fourth wall breaking in it. So literally, Christian Slater in the first scene starts talking to you, and he frequently throughout it just talks to the audience. 
Uh, it was a bit of a slur, isn't there, isn't it? It was a bit of a slur, but, it, but there's also... It, it, it manages to be meta before meta was a thing. Yeah. Um, and randomly, there's a scene in it where it bleeps out all the F-bombs, despite the fact that there's been scenes in it previously where they've been prevalent and after it. But in just this one scene, it decides to bleep them all out for no reason at all. Um, there's a running joke about uh, any time buys a turkey, something is about to go wrong. Um, there is the one of the, the guys, he constantly keeps asking where he gets his clothes from. Uh, said guy at one point wears a t-shirt that has his own face on it. Uh, it's on it's on Netflix. Um, it is a solid. I've had a few beers on a Friday or a Saturday night watch. That sounds fun. Okay, it, it, it is. It's really good. An actually. awful lot of fun. It's it's Christian Slater in in peak Christian Slater. Uh, it, it's up there. If you're taking because for instance something like Prince of Thieves, or I think you could even throw a sort of true romance out in there. They are their movies that star Christian Slater. Whereas something like, I think you can throw out Heathers and uh, This and Gleam in the Cube and uh, Pump Up the Volume are Christian Slater movies. They're movies that that exist and Christian Slater drags them, uh, you know, to being magnificent. Uh, And this is... This is definitely one of them. It is a movie where I'm still baffled as to why, in the same way as Pump Up the Volume, why it isn't heralded as being one of the great 90s movies. <laughs> what? Oh, you are funny. Why? Pump Up the Volume is, also is, is, a, is a fucking... It, it, I, for me, Pump Up the Volume is a stone called masterpiece. It is, though. It is. And Cups isn't far behind it. it it's, it's such an enjoyable, fun, and mental movie. <laughs> yeah, watch it. I would talk more about it, but I want you to watch it instead. <laughs> um, you can do this one, Okay, so you have to bear with me on this one because we watched it quite a while ago. Okay. Um, so we watched Shoot 'em Up. Nice. Um, Do you like Shoot 'em Up? Well, I've not seen it before. I, I've not either. For, for some oh, reason. really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Clive Owen, Paul Giamatti, Bibbs Bellucci, and yeah, um, ends up in possession of a baby that he tries to keep alive, which is basically the crux of the movie, and everyone's trying to kill the baby. Um, Boobs Bellucci plays a lactating hooker, which is... Milkmaids, they're called. A lactating hooker, I've got to go with. Milkmaids. It's fine. What? Who, yeah, he gets he goes to her to try and get her to feed the baby. It's it's very odd, isn't it? Very, very odd. Very Mm -hmm. stylised. But really, really, I really fucking enjoyed it. And I would definitely watch it again. It's going to go into regular rotation, definitely. It, 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 it's an awful lot of fun, isn't it? It, it really is, yeah. Like, I didn't expect it to... And I, we, we watched it. It was one of those. We watched it because it was under 90 minutes long. <laughs> nice. And I was like, do you want to watch this? It's got, it's got, it's got Clive Owen in it. We like Clive Owen. It's got Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti's always good. And at some point, we'll get to see Monica Bellucci's boobs. So, what could possibly go wrong? Well, exactly. It's a good exactly. way of looking at it, that. Yeah. No, I really, really enjoyed it. It really took me by surprise, this one. It is. It, it's, it, it's, it's, it's high octane. It's, it thoroughly is aware of what it's doing. 
Uh, yeah. And Clive Owen kills several people with carrots. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Um, no, it is, it, it, it's so weird, but the weirdness really works in it. Yeah, uh, do you want to do, we'll, well, we'll do our last two and then Ian can do the, the rest of his. Can we put that two more? Um, well, you can do... You can do this one and I'll do the next one. Yeah. Um, okay, so also watch A League of Their Own. You've never seen this, have which you? Again oh, is, really? You've never seen it, Becky? No, well, I, I, I don't really like Madonna and I don't really like... Again, I'm going to make myself sound awful, but like these kind of feel-good female-led movies, I just don't. Whereas I saw a league of their own at the cinema. Who'd you go to the cinema with, Matt? On my own. Aww. <laughs> happened a lot, that, didn't it, though? Yes. Yes, yeah. it did. Still happens a lot for me, you fucking dickhead. Yeah. Uh, I... yeah no, but when you were a kid, did you go with like your family, your friends, or... Oh, right, yeah, no, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah exactly. In 1992, when you were... Like ten, ten, you were going to the cinema on your own on the on the regular. No, okay, that's a fair. <laughs> You're mean. Well, I'm, I'm sure he went with friends as well. He just went too often. Not that often, actually, with friends. No. Oh, baby. I, it was fun. I, I loved going to the cinema. <laughs> it was brilliant. Well, anyone else in the school holidays and the summer holidays was off on family holidays and things like that before the age of the broken home. I, I loved going to what is it? I love going to the cinema on my own, biking there, paying a quid fifty and getting into a film and having popcorn, and then just wandering around the cinema and watching other movies. It was great. Don't say that. You might get like what's the statute of limitations on sneaking into movies at you? It's twenty five years. It's probably been one brothers then, isn't it? It was. Oh, bless it. Uh, yeah, so League of Their Own. Um, everyone will know the story of League of Their Own. Boys go off to war, girls start a baseball league. Hilarity ensues. James Gordon uh, meets up with Freddie Flintoff and they have amazing <laughs> japes. The, the, neither of those people that you've named there would make anyone want to watch it. Well, probably would. Normal people. No, not normal people. No one likes James Gordon. Uh, I think they do. I don't think they do. I just don't think they realise they don't yet. People like, like James Corden, fucking Gavin and Stacey's bloody pretty much royalty in Wales. And what's that? What's the Flintoff man's real name? Andrew. Andrew, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't get that. I don't know where Freddie comes from on that. I don't care. Anyway, um, so film-based league of their own, women's baseball league. Um, on it, really enjoyed it. And I don't know why... But I was crying like a baby at the end. I don't know why. I was clearly having a bit of an emotional day. And the ending where they're all like looking at each other and like, oh, we remember. And oh, it was really, it really got to me. I don't know why. Cried. For a solid like 15 minutes, cried. Yeah, I, 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 what I didn't remember about it was just how much fun Tom Hanks is in it. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. But Rosie O'Donnell's funny in it as well, though. And I don't like Rosie O'Donnell. What? No, but these at this point. Even Madonna's got in it. Was doing some good movies. I think in the same year, or maybe the year after, she did another staircoat with Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfus, which was a lot of fun as well. I saw that at the cinema as well. On my own. Uh, and actually, Dennis <laughs> Farner's in that, and it's fantastic because he literally it's cause it's a it's a twelve hour PG. Mm. He can't swear, and you could almost see it. 
That what? other man, that funny man. In this, oh, John Lovitz is John fantastic Lovitz. in yeah, this. Yeah, that was funny. And I, I think that started my, my my early affection for John Lovitz in movies, which fun. still exists now. Nice. He is he is good in it actually when it's when it's he's in that bit. Yeah. No, it really really good. Really like. It's, you know what? I hate it when people use it as a descriptor for a movie, but really heartwarming. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it caught me on a caught me on the right day for it, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It did indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but John Lovitz for me is up there with Paulie Shaw and. Do you know you're, you're ruining it now? Oh fuck! What's his Damning name? Damning with faint praise. Oh, shit, I can't remember the guy's name now. Lewis Black. He's up there with Lewis, with Lewis Black um, and Polly Shaw as people from 90s movies that, that I look at and go, they should be in more. And everyone else goes, they should be in nothing. They? And I go, yes, they should. Lewis Black's got a hell of a voice, mind. Lewis Black does have a hell of a voice. Uh, I, I, anybody who wants to see how good Lewis Black can be in things, Watch the uh, movie Accepted with Justin Long and Jonah Hill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which is a, 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 a very entertaining movie. And also, actually, he did a Netflix special recently, which could have just been Crotchety Old Man. But essentially, the Lewis Black thing was him basically criticising himself for being a Crotchety Old Man for an hour and a half. <laughs> nice. Nice. Which was quite good. Uh, yeah, uh, and our our last one is um, we watched Almost Famous. Now I've been wanting to well rewatched Almost Famous. I've been wanting to rewatch Almost Famous for a long time. Which cut? Uh, well, that's it. The interesting thing is I've wanted to buy it on iTunes because I want mm. to own it. It's one of those movies I want to own mm. just to own, like High Fidelity. I just mm. want to own it so I can watch it whenever I want to watch it. Um, but. You can't buy the extended cut on iTunes. You can rent it. You can buy the original the theatrical cut, but you can only rent for some reason on That's, iTunes. The yeah. check is so it's true. It's still no, true. Yeah, no, I'm just looking now. Yeah, you're bang on. That's weird. And, yeah. and so I'm like, right, I, I, I don't want to pay three forty nine to rent it. I want to pay nine ninety nine to buy it. Mm. Right? I don't want to rent it and then find out two weeks later you can buy it. And then we were looking through on uh, the other night for something to watch on um, Sky, so now TV, and scrolled past Almost Famous. And I thought, oh, you know, I want to watch Almost Famous, but I want to watch the extended cut. And I looked at it, and it says Almost Famous. And I looked at the, the runtime and thought, holy shit, is that the extended cut? And it's the extended cut. And the thing is, I've never seen the extended cut sober. <laughs> I've only watched it once and I was hammered nice like really really fucking drunk it'd be a fun film to watch drunk when, when, when I watched it to the point of where I, I think I had to watch it I, I just took a break of it for, for half an hour while I went to the toilet and I think I fell asleep on the toilet for a little bit um, <laughs> and then so yeah so we, we, we've watched it and it's, it's funny because it's been a film that you, Becky, have previously not enjoyed, have you? No. Why haven't you enjoyed it? Kate Hudson. Because you went through a phase of just not liking Kate Hudson for some reason. Yeah. And so therefore you decided you didn't like Almost Famous because you didn't like Kate Hudson. But then once I decided I liked her again, I was quite happy to forgive 
like to, to revisit Skeleton Key. Yeah, and that's one of my favourite trash horror movies. But you wouldn't revisit Almost no. Famous. Um, I don't know why, really. So we, we rewatched Almost Famous. And what, what did you think of it this time, Becky? It's very good, isn't it? It is very good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I. Almost Famous for me is, is up there with things like um, More Rats. That are just a warm hug of a movie for me. I, 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 you don't like more rats either, are either? Um, anything that comforts me, you hate. Um, <laughs> but almost famous. The, so the, the extended cut is two and a half hours long, as opposed to the two and a bit hours long. So it's about an extra twenty-seven minutes, something like that. I, and it, I still got to the end where I, I knew it was the end of this movie. I knew that it was the end. We had five minutes left to go, just from the scenes rather than the runtime or anything like that. And I was still there going, I could watch this for another hour and, and just never be bored of it. It's it, it's a fascinating movie to watch. The performances are great. Um, Patrick Fugit, genuinely, I, I, was it, was it, who was it who won the Oscar in 2000? It wasn't, was it Russell Crowe or was it? No, Gladiator it was too, like it was 2001, I swear. So, Right, let's, I'm going to have to have a look. Can you have a look at this? Can you find out, Bex, who won the Academy Award in 2000? So would it have been 2001's Academy Awards? Or, no, 2000 would have been, wouldn't it? Try to work out when it, had been, when it would have been. Who am I looking for? What award am I looking for? I, I want to know... Uh, Where love is? is? What love is? No, don't worry. I, I want to know who, who won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. for American Beauty. Beauty. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Was American Beauty released in 2000 or 1999? No, it's 99. 99. So it's the year after. So it's whoever won it in 2001. Well, that'll be Gladiator. That will be Russell Crowe then. Yeah. Gladiator that year. Fucking hell, I thought it was early for some reason. Um, Russell Crowe, Best Actor, Gladiator. Yeah. Almost famous breast original screenplay, Cameron Crowe. Right, well. Well. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb now yeah. and say that I still think Patrick Fugit should have been at least nominated and probably should have won it over Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I think it, he is... Gladiator, I don't think, has aged well. No, uh, I, I think he's, he's absolutely fantastic in this and he gets across that, just that, that feeling of being young and being around this, but being smart enough to, to know what's going on, um, but also young enough to to not be able to deal with it all properly. You know, He's such a sweet the kid, fact that he it? falls in love, but he doesn't know what to do, and then he has the bit where he's basically telling her it's not all real, but he's real, and realising that he said the wrong thing, but the right thing. So he's, he's done the right thing in telling her, what happened, that she was trained off, that they use her and everything like that. And then he sees how much it's upset her and he tries to backtrack, but in his heart of hearts, he knows that he was right to do it. And it's just a, it's it's weird the fact that it, it's, it's unequivocally Cameron Crowe's best movie, without a question. Um, but I think you could also say it's possibly, he's Billy Crudup's best movie. Mm. You know, the... I'm a golden god. I'm on drugs. <laughs> uh, there. Um, there's arguments to make whether or not it's Francis Foreman's greatest movie. I think you can say that. But I think it's Kate Hudson's best movie. 
It's not oh. Francis McDormand's best movie. I probably fucking forgot Francis McDormand was even in that. Yeah, of course yeah. she is. But there's, there's the great moment where you've got Billy Crudup, he's a little bit drunk, and he, he grabs the phone off Patrick Fugit and, and starts oh, talking yeah. to the mother. And then... She tells him off. She tells him off, but in, in, in a lovely way. Yeah. In the fact that she wanted it. Sorry, guys, Eddie. two ticks. No, no, lots. Love you. Sorry, guys. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, and then a minute later, he's, he, he sort of, he's still freaked out by it, and he just turns around to Patrick Fugit and just says, you're really freaked me out. <laughs> like, really freaked me out. And it's not the first bit, the, uh, the dude from Modern Family. Oh, the, the main guy? Uh, the, no, who is it? The, the, I'm going to say it, the big gay dude in it. Oh, Eric Stone, no, hang on. No, I know the guy you're talking about. Uh, fuck, don't worry, why does it matter? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's him, Eric Stone Street. Oh, okay, it is him, yeah. Yeah, Uh, he plays a hotel, um, essentially receptionist, and um, gets, what is it? And I has to pass on messages that that Patrick Fugit's mother Patrick McDonald's been giving to Patrick Fugit. He's like, don't 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 let her call anymore. She's freaking me out. <laughs> just seems to be that anybody who's speaking the phone to Francis McDormand comes off the phone going, they freak me out. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's an absolute joy, and the extended cut adds a lot to it. Uh, it's not often that you get something that adds thirty minutes to. To an already pre-existing great movie, um, and then adds to it, you've got um, as Bex just pointed out, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Lester Bangs. Lester Bangs. Um, and again, at one point, you think that he's going to be that he's trashing on Patrick Fugitive, but when he tells him, you know, you can call me to be an affinity there, he seems to actually give a shit and care about this kid. Yeah. Um, and it's it's great, and and you know his his thing of you know rock and roll, it's gone, it's dead. You know, it, it kind of makes sense. His viewing makes sense. It's just it's a it's a joy of a film to watch. I have not watched Almost Famous in I don't know how long, and God, it's due another watch. But the fucking that whole thing about the iTunes not being able to buy the theatrical version. I tell you what, guys, I've been fucking wavering. I've been wavering. On the physical media thing, I like it is, uh, iTunes. It it seems like I'm back into real life, Ian. It seems like with iTunes because I'm, I'm I'm fully digital I, I, and I'm fine with that. But it seems like somebody iTunes need to get. It, it might even be just one role, one person who they say, right, we're going to control all of this content. We're going to control all of the you know releasing um, things a week early, two weeks early, and marking on that. We're just going to give one guy, we're going to give this guy, we're going to say to you, you control the the weird shit. The nerd shit. The, the nerd shit. <laughs> so you, you, you literally, your job is to go, is to say it words. Oh, just out of curiosity, why, why have the American iTunes got Judgment Night and the UK doesn't? And they go, oh, it's this rights issue. Right, can I just sort that out? Because people are right. And, oh, can I ask a question? What? Why Why does almost fairness, why can't you, what is it? Oh, I, it's do this. All right, can I sort that out? Yeah, you've got to fucking sort that out. And, and shit like that. Oh, why, why is, 
this random fucking movie. I'm going to put High Fidelity. Why is High Fidelity always nine ninety nine? Because I think if we did that at five ninety nine, we'd sell shitloads of it. Yeah, well, you just fucking go off and do it. And just a guy who's got the remit to do the the, the low level shit that's not going to make loads of money, but it's going to make you know it's going to get people going. Well, I can do that on here. Yeah. Because I could buy that. I could buy that probably for less than twenty quid. It's just, on, it, on, on physical media. It's fucking bothering me. Like, it just, it's... I, I, I sent a thing on the boy chat the other day that, like, Studio Canal are doing these fucking deluxe versions of Carpenter films. Yeah. Um, and, like, Prince of Darkness is coming out on Blu-ray in the UK for the first time. It's like, shit, man, are they going to fucking release that on iTunes? Halloween comes out on 4K Blu-ray next Monday. And it's like... I want to watch that in 4K. I don't see it being listed for pre-order on iTunes. But the only thing is, I bought A Quiet Place in 4K on iTunes for 7.99 the other day. Yeah. It, it costs 24.99 to buy that fucking disc on Amazon. It is, it's mad it's because I looked at those, um, those John Carpenter reissues and I looked at it and went, do you know what? That, that Escape from New York set is, is lovely. But I'm not buying physical media anymore. Yeah. Well, that's very yourself. If something comes out physical media that you want, fucking buy it. If something comes out on digital and it's 25 quid physical, blah, 8 quid digital, and you're not right fussed about it, buy it digital. I don't see why you have to be all or nothing about it. That, 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 I, to be fair, that's exactly what Donna says to me. And it just like, I think I need to get over it and just the next time... Like, for Christmas, if there's, a, like, 4K Blu-ray players are coming down in price, if I can get one for around 100 just do that and buy the shit I want physically, buy the shit I want digitally, and just get my mind to shut the fuck up about it. Because do you not still get, like, if you buy physical stuff, a lot of them you get a card, don't you, so you can get a digital copy? And you've got both. Yeah, I don't know. It just... Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely you do. But I mean, it's like when 4K stuff eventually goes goes cheaper, it's like I'll have The Shape of Water, which also I picked up for seven ninety nine on 4K on iTunes the other day. Seven fucking ninety nine. But one day that will be seven ninety nine on 4K Blu-ray, but I won't buy it because it's like well, I've already got the digital copy. But it's like, but I'll be kicking myself because it was like, oh, why the fuck didn't I just wait until it was cheaper? It, yeah. it's, oh my god it really it does bother me but it's just it's the availability of stuff like I've said to Mark on many an occasion the director's cut of fucking Zodiac, Zodiac. how the f- yeah I it, that, that, that's one of those it, it's what it's what people still throw at people who say you want to look at only digital is yeah but they can't own the director's cut of, of Zodiac and it, but the thing is that film was shot digitally, and literally the highest resolution you can you will ever have it in is 2K. Yeah. So, and that's fine. Give me a fucking 1080p copy of Zodiac director's cut on iTunes. You've got the theatrical. I'm not asking for 4K because it just it, there's no point. I just want an HD version of Zodiac director's cut on iTunes. And I, it's first world problems. Don't get me wrong. I know it is. 
But literally, I have not watched that film for like three or four years because I'm fucking waiting for it to come out on bloody iTunes. Yeah. And then I say that, and it's like, who, what the fuck, Ian? Just buy the fucking Blu-ray and watch it. That's it. Like, with the stuff that you'd want, physical, a couple of shelves in your office will probably do for that. It wouldn't be a couple of shelves. It wouldn't be. It would just It would just grow and grow, and then <laughs> at some point I'd be like, fuck it, I'm going to sell them all, and then Donna will just want to murder me again. That's it. I've still got a few hundred Blu-rays, and some of them. I look at it and go, I should sell that, but I just I can't. I brought all the, the Blu-rays downstairs. They're all accessible. The steelbooks, for instance, I, I, there's some of them I'll happily get rid of because you can get decent money for them. But some of them, I'm like, no, I want to keep that to and look at it, it occasionally. There is something more special about getting a special edition version of a movie. Regardless of the actual content that's included on the disc, it's the packaging, it's the presentation, it's the extra stuff that you get with it. Like, I've got, what, three limited edition copies of Blade Runner? Yeah. I'll probably only ever watch it on fucking iTunes, but would I ever get rid of them? Absolutely not. It's the, it's, it's, there's something special about having something tangible there that you can look at, and it's like, it's like the difference between listening to a record or a CD where you can look at the in-sleeve, you know, not not now, because you wouldn't do that now because we're 30 odd years old, but when you were a kid, when you're in your teenager years and you got a CD and you'd sit and you'd read through the in-sleeve and you'd look at all the stuff, it, kids today, oh my God, which I, yes, I did just say, but like Isabel's generation don't have that. They just listen to anything on fucking Spotify. Yep. It's not, there's no connection there. Which is why I love vinyl. Yeah, but then you rail against buying physical movies. You're a contradiction in terms. I bet I made him do that. I feel responsible for that. It is to blame. Is it your fault that all my DVDs are in boxes in the loft instead of... It is. It is. It literally is. (laughs) Fuck you, Ian. (laughs) I fucking... It's like, I just... I wish the Criterion Collection came to the UK like a year or two earlier. You know, and it, it's uh, just because Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic and whatnot. It's like I fucking I want them. I want them. Like fucking Royal Tenenbaums is eleven ninety nine to buy on iTunes. Fucking eleven ninety nine. There's no extras. But what? Royal Tenenbaums. Or the Life Aquatic is eleven ninety nine, no extras. But they've got Criterion editions. But on the flip of that, Isle of Dogs is not out on four K physically, but it's four K on iTunes. And this is becoming a bit of a thing where every now and then you're getting films that are four K on iTunes but aren't four K physically. Tully, Tully, I think I'm right in saying isn't even out on Blu Ray physically. And he's 4K on iTunes. That's mental. Right. So yeah, that is not physically at all, is it? It's definitely it's on DVD. It's on DVD. It's Tully, I swear. Um, it just it's I don't know. I can't. I just at the moment I can't find a fucking happy place. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's stuck in the middle of it all. 
it's on DVD, but it's not on Blu-ray. Literally, that's the only format it's on. And that, that I don't know. It's almost like if you get back into Blu-ray, the fact that the sign of things aren't even getting Blu-ray releases anymore then makes you think, well, how long's physical even going to be there for? It just, it's a fucking crapshoot. But then, it, but then, you see, this is how my fucking mind works. Blowout. I just thought, I want to watch Blowout. I can't fucking get that on iTunes. I can't get it on Amazon. Used to be on Netflix. Do you want to borrow it? Fuck it, I want to buy it. That's the thing. And then fucking sell it tomorrow when I change my mind. Well, hmm. I don't know. I think you've just got to... You've got to do it on a case-by-case basis. Like the Arrow collections and Criterion and the various steelbooks you can get. For films that actually matter to you, I think it, I think it, it makes a difference to have it in that format. Blowouts on Netflix. I'm all right now. <laughs> Crisis averted. Oh, fuck, man. I'm going to blow out. But I'm going to be watching it thinking, like, this doesn't look as good as the Criterion Region A Blu-ray I used to have. Yeah. Oh, fuck my life. Anyway, it is first world pro. It is massively first world problems. Um, but yeah, shall I move on to some what we watched? Yes, you can. What a fan zoom that was, guys! Right, well done, everyone. Oh, you're oh, dipping in there, Ian. Oh, yeah, we back. Yeah, you're back. You just, you, you, you sound a little bit underwater. Underwater. Okay, do I still sound underwater? Yeah, you do a little bit. All right, you guys don't sound underwater, so my recording won't sound underwater. You're all right now. Okay, cool. Killing Gunther. So, this is on Netflix. It stars and is written, well, co-written and directed by Taran Killam, who I believe is an SNL-adjacent person. And the film is basically Taron Killam thinking, I really want to do a fight scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger. How do I make that happen? Right. How much do I need need to pay Arnold Schwarzenegger to be in my film for 20 minutes? Okay. I can do that. How much do I need to make the rest of the film before that? $200. Okay. I can make that work. (laughs) <laughs> so basically it's a story of the, uh, this hitman who has been trying for years to kill another hitman called Gunther um, and he enlists a team of like a fellow hitmen and kind of techie people to try and help him do the hit um, it's in the trailer but basically Gunther is Arnold Schwarzenegger even though it's shrouded in secrecy in the film until the last 20 minutes or so I think I think it was 23 minutes before the end of the film when you see first see Schwarzenegger, and then it's pretty much all, all Schwarzenegger all the time for like the rest of the film. Um, right. <laughs> I didn't laugh at all before he came on screen, and after he was on screen, I laughed a couple of times. In the end of the day, if it's a paycheck, he's at least turning up. Um, he looks like he's game for having a bit of a laugh. It's just the, the rest of the film around him is shit. 
it, it, does it feel like it's, he's done it for like a mate? It basically feels like he's either done it for a mate or because he got paid a lot and he it's like I don't get offered a lot of comedies. That's fair. You know, I mean, like Schwarzenegger says, Twins is one of his favourite films he's been in. So, you know, he just, you know, it's one of those. I mean, it's it's not great. It was a Netflix watch. I, I didn't aggressively hate it, but... To be honest, that's kind of only because Schwarzenegger actually turns up and is not that bad. And bad way, Taron Killam gets a fight scene with Schwarzenegger. So, mission accomplished. Um, Moving on, swiftly. Winchester. Uh, This is the Helen Mirren starring horror film directed by the Spearig brothers. So, uh, Helen Mirren is uh, the... Basically, the uh, owner of the Winchester, like, guns brand, whose house was apparently haunted in the uh, early 1900s. Basically, she's this kind of, like, seer of spirits who gets told to build wings of her house that look like the rooms that the spirits were fond of. And then the spirits find themselves at peace go to heaven and then she tears the rooms down and then another spirit tells her what to do. But one day a bad spirit tells her to make a room. Uh, Jason Clark stars as a uh, kind of a drug addled uh, doctor who is brought in to assess her mental state and shit starts happening to him as well. Um, it's actually not that bad. This, I mean, again, Helen Mirren is trying um, it's interesting seeing her in a horror film. I know she said when the film came out that she didn't really think it's a horror film. It's a fucking horror film. Um, <laughs> you know, it is. If you can fucking dress it up as a thriller or a drama or you want, it's a horror film. And that's fine. Um, it's got a couple of decent scares in it. Uh, Jason Clark's quite good, actually. There's, there's a good... His arc is pretty well done, actually. Um, it looks the part... You know, it, the Spearig brothers know how to do horror. Um yeah. It'd be intriguing to see them do something else. But then again, I like the variety of horror they do. Um, You know, I mean, shit, man. I mean, this and Jigsaw came out within four or five months of each other. And they're very two very different brands of horror. Um, Yeah. And, and of course, they they didn't have anything to do with the writing, did they, of of Jigsaw? They literally was just directors for hire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I don't know. I think they kind of have a co-writing credit on this one, but I don't think they kind of originated it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I didn't hate it. It's, it's not particularly memorable, but um, the, 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 there were a couple of decent scares in there. So I, I didn't hate my time with it. It was, um, it was an iTunes, like one ninety nine rental of the week for jobber. So, and it was fine as that, I would say. Cool. Um, okay. Fucking hell, man. Um, I've still got like three more. Sorry, guys. Um, I'll, I'll just say very briefly, uh, Nicole Holofcener's new film. So, uh, she did Please Give and Enough Said, which I really like. She actually, uh, I think wrote, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, the Melissa McCarthy award season film that kind of looks like Richard E. Grant might actually get a Best Supporting Actor nomination for. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but she directed this. Ben Mendelsohn in the role of his lifetime as a middle-aged sex machine. 
<laughs> Sold. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's good. It, um, it's basically a series of characters having conversations. Um, it's not very cinematic. It feels... I mean, it did get theatrical in the US as well, but it feels perfectly at home in Netflix. But I, I enjoyed it, and Ben Mendelsohn is good, and he plays a normal person. So there you go. Uh, okay. Crazy Rich Asians is great. It, it, it's mad the fact that Crazy Rich Asians it has been a, a massive, like, phenomenal success, which is great, and like that. But we're a movie podcast, and, and we, we we never even thought to cover it. I didn't see a trailer for it until last I didn't week. see a trailer for it until yeah, until what is it? And it, it, it's just weird that it's it just shows how specific marketing is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Michelle Yeoh is a, a bitch. Um, but she's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, she's got, there's some interesting shit about why she's so horrible in the film, and the way her character ends up is interesting. Um, Constance Wu as the lead is, it's an odd thing where she's supposed to be charming and sweet but there's a couple of moments in there where I'll be honest I, her real life persona is that she is a, a bit salty and you know not afraid to fucking crack skulls and there's just a couple of moments in this where that kind of comes out and I think slightly betrays the character there's just little things that she does, um, which I, it, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to put. There's ah fuck. That's actually a bit of a spoiler. I'm not going to say, but um, yeah, it, the her casting, I wasn't quite on board with, even though she does an awful lot of heavy lifting in the film, and I think she does it fine. Henry Golding is fuckable, um, and it just it's. It's a fun time. I had a smile on my face for pretty much the whole thing. I got very involved in it. There's a very, very elaborate wedding where it just looks like there's water everywhere and I wasn't entirely sure what was happening. Um, (laughs) And I look forward to the next one and the one after that. So, there we go. And, finally, Eli Roth's Death Wish remake. Ah, yeah, of course. I've got you watched this. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Didn't hate it. It's not, it's not good. But it's touching cloth. It's, um... I, 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 I think Roth knew what he was making here, and he gives the fucking Republican guns, 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 audience what's they, what they want, but also has some moments of, yeah, this shit is really fucked up, isn't it? Like, this is a bit of a nightmare. Um, just, there, there are moments of that where I think Roth is... If he's not biting the hand of fees, he's nibbling at it. And that was enough to kind of see me through some of the fucking most gun-porny aspects of it. Um, Bruce Willis is awake. Vincent D'Onofrio is also awake. 
Elizabeth Sue is awake and then she's dead. Uh, um, Norris is awake. People are generally awake in this film, apart from when they're in comas or dead. Um, that's fine. You keep dipping out here, mate. You keep going really quiet. I've basically just been saying awake multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> we got that bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I just, I, I did not hate it. It will probably be on Netflix before Christmas and watch it on there if you're so, if, if you're so inclined. Yes, it's, um, I, I, I do find it amusing that um, Joe Carnahan basically said, basically, I, I, I outright admitted that it's not the movie he wrote. It's not the movie he would have made. The reason why he. Um, still has sole writing credit on it is because they paid him. <laughs> right. And he basically got said, look, I, I accepted a shitload of cash for them to say, look, we don't want to keep, we don't, we want to keep you on as a sole writing credit. And they offered him more money to do that. And he went, fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's interesting. I was listening, uh, Roth was interviewed on the Empire podcast talking about the house with a clock in its walls. And, he was talking about the things he kind of added to Death Wish, and it was a bit like, mate, you probably just came up with a lot of this shit on the set, didn't you? Um, and, yeah, I, it, it feels like it didn't have an awful lot of budget, and it kind of just had to go, right, we've got a room, and we've got some guns, what happens? Uh, that, he's, he's an odd director, anyway, Elan. he's someone I've never really got on that well with, to be honest. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, fair play to the guy. He's working, you know. Um, it's it's interesting that he's kind of moving away from, you know, in the early teens, he was doing, an, there was an awful lot of Eli Roth presents. Mm. And that shit ain't happening anymore. It's like, I think he's gotten comfortable with the idea that he's not going to be one of this generation's great filmmakers. But, he can at least just be a jobber who has some self-respect and that's fine. Um, you know, I, it, yeah. So there you go. Death wish. It's, it won't, I, it, I'd be very surprised if it was in my bottom 10 of the year. I don't think it will be. And, you know, before when the trailer came out, I probably would have said, yeah, it, it likely would be, but it's, it, it's not, it's not hateful. I could see why people would have problems with it, but I, I, it's not great. I mean, it's not great. There are like no surprises in that fucking film whatsoever, but it's, you don't expect them from that film, do you? No. Okay. We didn't do the email last week, did we? We didn't do the email last week. No. No. So I'm just going to say, Marcus, um, I'll be honest, I think we actually, I'm going to forward this to you now, Mark, but I think we actually need to kind of look into what he's pointing towards. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up next week. Is it one of those, one of those where, we, where, where we need to give it a little bit more than just reading it out and then just reacting to it? Uh, yeah, that, 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 oh, that's yes. pretty much it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely we'll get to that next week because that's 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 something I think we can definitely get our teeth into. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Twitter questions. What have we got? We do have a couple of questions actually. Yeah. 
so we have do, 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 do. let me go back here uh got more for that um Thomas DJ, uh, not to Tom DJ, uh, what director do you think is in need of a rediscovery or a reevaluation? I still don't think Rob Reiner gets enough credit. You know, when, when you're talking about great directors, like, you know, it's always brought up. It's your usual um, sort of cast of, uh, of directors that, that get bandied about there. Um, and when you look at it, Rob Reiner had a hell of a start to his his directing career. And yeah, you can say, oh well, you know, recently his movies, the quality hasn't been fantastic. But I think you can level that same thing at Spielberg. Yeah. Don't worry, the parody is different. But, you know, he did this Spinal Tap. The sure thing was after it. But Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. All in the space of, what, eight years? Fair enough. Um, there's, there's, there's people that I wish would get kind of more publicity but it's it's because but then I, within our sort of nerdy circles so, they already get who who who, who you mean them well like people like um i think like the ghibli stuff should be better available over here better known over here yeah everywhere uh, yeah get my you can't get my iTunes. yeah i i also also, uh, I, I, I don't think um, another one I don't think gets the credit he deserves as a director is Sylvester Stallone. I don't think he's ever got credit as a director mm. the credit he deserves. You know, it's it, it's same as I don't think he gets credit as a writer. No, no. Ian, what's yours? Have you got if you want for this. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like Nicole Holofcener is a really, really interesting writer director. Yeah. I think who doesn't who doesn't get anything. I mean, Please Give is a fucking cracking film, and I think she did Friends with Money as well. And that's like a, yeah. that that was kind of released in the Jennifer Aniston trying to be a star thing, but I, I think it got overshadowed in like she was trying to do she was doing a lot of safe material, and that was something that had a bit more bite to it. But it, it yeah, I, I really liked Friends with Money. I thought it was really yeah. good. Yeah, um, and it that that that's yeah. I don't know that that that's the thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I mean, like Becky was saying, it's just like in the kind of the nerdy film circles. Generally, it kind of seems like directors do, do get their due, and then outside of that circle, no one gives a shit about them anyway. So. Um, there's there's one that's that's glaring out for me. Joe Callahan. Joe Callahan doesn't doesn't get, you know, the credit he deserves for, for, for how good a director he can be. The Hangover guy. Top Phillips, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I just the, the thing is with Joe Callahan. I mean, I I do I do agree with that, but it's just like he's been more prolific as a kind of like a creative force behind the scenes than he has been as a director recently. Oh yeah. Um, well yeah, he's got, he's, him and Frank Grillo have got more hearty films that are doing you know quite a lot of stuff with netflix uh 
And then yeah, there's also they're starting to do TV stuff with Netflix as well. I think Frank Grillo's got a um, a TV show that's War Party Films coming out about um, various different um, fighters in martial arts that that don't get that are like the top level of what they do, but because it's not boxing or MMA, they never get any attention gets paid to them. Yeah. Whereas these are like the like basically, I think we're going to say these are like the hardest fuckers in the world. <laughs> But everyone thinks that because they're not in MMA or, or boxing, they don't exist. Very interesting. I think it literally is called Fighters. Yeah. I, yeah I All right. It's, um, it's difficult. I mean, I remember um, it was kind of a similar question on this podcast that you used to listen to, some sadly gone now, the Row 3 Cinecast, where, where they, they kind of had suggestions for people who were kind of unheralded. And I remember sending an email about Cliff Martinez. Um, I mean, I know he's not a director, but it kind of feels like Cliff Martinez is someone who I don't think has ever had an Oscar nomination, but, you know, is, was involved in a lot with Steven Soderbergh. He did the score for Drive. Um, he just, and only God forgives. He's just, he's a really interesting, evocative composer who it feels like never got, quite got his due either. Um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting question. That, but we've got a lot of other questions. Actually, it's a really good crop this week. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so again, um, Thomas Dejer, uh Let's cast a cannibal run remake. Only in each car, there's one director and one actor. Who would you put in your car? And he picks Werner Herzog and Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> Great shout. That is a solid shout. Actually, that yeah. Melissa McCarthy and Michael Bay, just because Michael Bay will spend the entire thing trying to make fat jokes, and Melissa McCarthy just be like, you shut the fuck up! <laughs> she would, she would, <laughs> that would be good. That would be very good. I, 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 I'm going to go for mine, while well, you're still thinking about it, Lex. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go for mine, right? Christopher Nolan as the director who's a very you know he's a serious guy but has a very good understanding I remember listening to him talk about uh, 3D cinema and he was saying he doesn't like it himself and doesn't think that it adds any value or anything like that he thinks it takes it away because the talents are light and everything like that but did finish it off by saying but if that's the way the industry goes and that's the way the audience goes then obviously that's the way I'll have to go I'll have to look into it so I'd sit him in a car next to Paulie Shaw because I think it would be amazing Really? Paulie fucking Shaw? Yeah. Throw another one out there. It was either that or it was Michael Haneke next to Paulie Shaw to see, just just, just because that would be amusing. Actually, I'm changing it. Michael Haneke, Paulie Shaw. <laughs> On a similar tip, Park Chan Wook and Selena Gomez. Oh, I, I, I reckon that Selena Gomez's career would take a, a, a big fucking turn. <laughs> I think they would have a fucking fantastic conversation. Yeah. I reckon there would be a vengeance film that would come out that would be inspired by her first album. It'd be mental, but you'd go, this kind of makes sense. You got one, Bex? I I would have, I'm going to kill everyone, 
out of Laura Biden Susan because he would kill everyone. Uh, yeah, so Gerard Butler. Yeah, okay. but as that character. As the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And J.J. Abrams is the director because then he could blind everyone and put them off with his lens flares. You, you, so you thought tactically about it, haven't uh, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got Michael Bay blowing shit up. Yeah, my, mine is literally a guy driving around in a circle. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because you just want to put Paulie Shaw in everything. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fine. It'd be awesome. <laughs> um, next question uh, Rick Kidd at Rick J Kidd um, it's been said on the podcast that it's okay for a film to be long if it fills its time so which films over three hours long are worth their time that's sorry. Wall Street oh, no, that's just under three hours fuck it's, it's not Wolf of Wall Street is bang on three hours long and why is it bang on three hours long because Scorsese had final cut as long as it was three, as long as it was yeah. three hours or under, yeah. that is why it's exactly three hours long. Um, Godfather Part Two. Did you just say that? Ian? No, no, I said Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, uh, Godfather Part Two. Um, what was what it one? Uh, one three America? hours long. Once upon a time, oh, once upon a time in America is a great shout. Yeah. yeah, like you said, that Becky West Side Story. West Side Story, yeah. Um, That's like three days long. Gone with the Wind. Not seen that. Yeah, but it, it earns West Side it's... Story is over three hours long. Sure, it is. Yeah. Must be. We're sure about that, guys. It might be just under three hours. That's West oh, Side Story. No. Yeah, two two and a half it is. Is it really? Yeah, it's still a good shout out. Uh, you're sticking with it, are you? Director's cut. Director's cut. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else is over three hours long that, that, that really earns its, its bones. There's that six-hour Robert De Niro one. Novacento. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's an odd one, that one. Yeah? Yeah. Is it not? I don't know. It's a weird one. You've got Donald Sutherland um, killing a cat. Have you, have you ever seen Novacento? I don't think you have, have you? No. Ian, have you ever seen Novacento? No, I haven't. The Bernardo Bellucci five-and-a-half-hour um, epic about fascism. Um, yeah, it has Donald Sutherland um, at one point kills a cat by tying it to a post um, and running into it with his face. And that's how he kills it. Uh, and then he also gets high as fuck and kills a child by standing in a room and he's swinging the child around by its feet in a circle and its head just keeps hitting the walls. Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you've got... I didn't, I didn't need to know about that. It's... It, it, it's it's a... It, it, it also, that same movie, it also has... Uh, um, Robert De Niro and Gerard Depardieu uh, going to see a prostitute uh, in which that they both sit down, lay down next to her, and she jerks them both off. Is that like explicit? It's fairly explicit, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a... I don't know that I ever need to see this film. Not many people need to see 1900, no. <laughs> um, but I watched it. So, I honestly can't think of it. If you're thinking of like, long films and they're not as long They're not quite now. three hours long, yeah. Uh, but yeah... Once in Time America, I think, absolutely fills its time, including even the uh, the, the, the like near five hour cut that, that they released uh, in the gold edition. That's it's very good. Um, how long is oh JFK? 
JFK. JFK, definitely. JFK is a good shout, yeah. Yeah, he's a good shout. Titanic's not. No. Uh, so yeah, that's all. I'd say that. Uh, what else have we got question-wise? I think we've got one more, I think. Uh, uh, Steve Dixon uh, at the Great SD. What are your favourite or most memorable movie cars? Oh, oh yeah, of course, yeah. Most My favourite movie, movie cars. cars. Yeah, Apocalypse Now apparently is three hours. Yeah. Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter, yeah. See, you're racking it out now. I, I Googled it and pulled disclosure. Guys, movies over three hours. Yeah. Uh, most memorable movie cars that. Christine. Christine, yeah. <laughs> Strong shout there. <laughs> Do you have one here? Hello? Hello, you've gone very quiet again. The Ghostbusters cars. Memorable. Oh, oh definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the ambulance. Yeah. Uh, Eleanor, the car in Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, yeah. You have to say it in a Nick Cage voice. It's more Eleanor. Eleanor, yeah. Yeah. I really like Gone in 60 Seconds. That's it's a fun really movie. Film, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really... Have you seen he's, he's, he's complaining that the crazy Nick Cage meme is damaging like the publicity for Mandy? He was just, yeah, he was just like, you know, these crazy fucking Nick Cage memes and stuff, they they take away from the film itself because people are more focused on the memes than they are on the films. And yeah. I've got to be honest, I, I could, you know, if you were someone who gave, gave your all to this film, which kind of sounds like he did with Mandy, maybe, yeah, maybe he would be pissed off. yeah. I don't think any of the memes are directly referencing Mandy. It's more like the. No, but I think I think I think with. Well, yeah, I can see his point. With Nick Cage, I think he's kind of. He's at that point where he's like, "Hang on a minute, I can't do any right here." You know what's happening is. Anything he does, it is being viewed. As like almost like a bit of a joke. It is, and that's an unfortunate side effect of doing lots of crap films to pay off a tax bill. Yeah, but he paid it off and then still just liked doing the weird odd stuff. But then, <laughs> but then he has done some good stuff in between that. You know? yeah, yeah, he has, yeah. Joe was, was good. Joe was really good. Um, Bad Lieutenant was fantastic. Yeah. That was 10 years ago, but still. You know. but, I mean, since the tax bill's been paid off, you haven't seen him turn up in quite as many direct-to-video no. poop stains. Yeah. I think it's just... He, he does feel like a, a, an actor that... You know, he, he was still doing the National Treasure movies, and they were really popular. Fucking love the National Treasure you movies. You love the National Treasure movies. They're up uh, there with the Mummy movies for me. They are up there with the Mummy movies for you, yeah. And they're, the they're, Journey to Journey... They're, they're, they're like your Indiana Jones, aren't they? <laughs> Shut up. I still watch Indiana Jones. Just, I'm just saying, they're, they're movies that you like, what is it? Yeah, they are, yeah. Um, oh, God, I really love the National Treasure movies. Can we watch the National Treasure movies again? At some point, yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe on Sunday. Um, so I think that's... Yeah, that's it for questions. Um, what are we covering next week, guys? Yeah, no, it's out. Nothing. Cool. What are we covering here? It's it's a little bit quiet next week because the week after, I I fucking love the fact they're both coming out on the same Wednesday. Is Venom and a Star is Born? <laughs> yeah, imagine a fucking double bill. Um, so, like the, the the kind of the wide releases next week are Night School. 
film, which I don't think we'd get a lot of mileage out of. No. And that is it. That is literally the only wide release that, like, I mean, basically, 15 screen Cineworld, that's the only new thing that's playing. So, yeah. uh, so, but, however, on Friday, uh, on Netflix... Yeah, am I still there? Yeah. On Netflix, from Friday, Jeremy Saulnier's new film, Hold the Dark. Which has got some very good buzz. So... We're going to be yeah. We're going to be going a bit a bit Netflix again for the first time in, in a little while, um, and we're going to have a review of Hold the Dark and uh, probably some other what we watched and whatnot as well. So yeah, it'll be a good time. I might drag you to see the house with a clock in its walls. Oh, if if you guys go to see that, I will happily see that also. Excellent. Yeah, do that. Make a bit of that the next then the Netflix one. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Sorry, I'm saying it's like a menu of films to watch again, aren't I? No, it, it, it's one I would, I would happily go and see in the cinema, and it's one that um, that we'd watch anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you gave me something to film, well, yeah, I'd, I'll happily watch that. Um, so, yeah, um, what have we got? Um, check us out on Twitter, so at Doing the Monkey, at Bexy Fars, at Dan Ian L. At Dude Foz, uh, check us out on Instagram. I've been a bit tardy with posts recently, but I'll get back on that shit from tomorrow. Uh, and um, check out the bonus episode of Ian and Brad chatting LFF stuff. Um, we shall speak to you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.